This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, February 26th, 2012. Journey of Hope, Direction. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we greet you this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to worship and praise your name. And now to look at what your scripture says about direction. Open up our hearts so that we may be changed and transformed by your word. Help us set aside whatever we need to do uh, after 12 o'clock and really focus on you. We pray this in your name and all of Connection Church said, Amen. So for the next several weeks, we're on a journey together as we follow Jesus to the cross. Now, since death on the cross, death by crucifixion, was a painful and horrible means of of execution developed by the Romans, at first thought it would seem that hope is not a word we would use in conjunction with such a journey. But that's exactly the type of journey it is, since we know that this road we travel with Jesus doesn't end at the cross. But it goes beyond that. It it goes past the burial in in the tomb to an empty tomb on Easter morning. The empty tomb that tells us that Jesus resurrected, that Jesus overcame death, that Jesus lives even today. With that in mind, a journey of hope is exactly what we travel when we follow Jesus in his last days. Whenever we travel, direction is important. In fact, it's, it's crucial. You know, we need to take the right way to get to the right place. If we take the wrong path, we end up in the... Wrong place. Yeah, there's a direct correlation there. A couple years ago, we went to a conference, and and we were very excited because we had a Sunday morning where we could go worship somewhere. So we, you know, did some internet research and found out this place where we wanted to go. I mean, it was we could really learn a lot and experience a, a great worship service. And um, so we plug in that address into our GPS, and we take off that morning and. GPSs are always right, aren't they? Well, so we're listening. Turn right now. Turn left now. You have arrived. (laughs) Oh, really? We're in the middle of a neighborhood. We're looking at a house. We're not looking at a church. You know, we use the GPS for our direction. Wrong. It wasn't the right it didn't have the right address in there. Somehow we really, really were in the wrong place. The irony of that whole story, we ended up going to church, another church, and it was, a, it was wonderful. And all, but we were going to be, we couldn't <laughs> find it. <laughs> but, but as we're leaving, t- uh, a couple of days later, we're leaving town from, the, as we're on whatever interstate goes out of Orlando, there's the church on the other side. As we're on the interstate, we, you know, it's like, oh, there it is. There it is. God has such a great sense of humor, I think, sometimes. Anyway, you know, maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've been there. You thought you were going in the right direction. Maybe you've been following that GPS, or maybe you'd gotten some uh, directions off of uh, MapQuest or one of the Google or something, or maybe somebody told you exactly how to go, and somehow the directions weren't quite right, and you ended up not where you expected. You ended up far from the destination that you wanted. You ended up in the wrong place. It happens. 
It happens to us all. When we don't go in the right direction in our thinking, (laughs) it's as bad or worse than if we're not going in the right direction geographically. When we're not thinking right direction, if we're theologically not headed in the right direction, if our beliefs are not in the right direction, well, we end up in the wrong place as well, don't we? Making sure we're headed in the right direction is absolutely crucial in life, but it's especially crucial when we're talking about eternal life, and that's what our focus is this morning. As Jesus was was heading to the cross, it was important for Jesus to know where his disciples were headed. Christ had spent you know, three years of pouring himself into his disciples, his followers, guiding them, teaching them, leading them, mentoring them. And Jesus knew that his ministry was coming to a close. And so it was so important to know, for him to know, if his disciples knew the way, the right way, the direction. And so Christ asked his disciples some questions. We're taking a look at Mark chapter 8. Mark is in the second half of the Bible in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark. Mark is the shortest gospel. It's like the gospel on speed. If you want to read the gospel, you know, and get it done, Mark is it. Like immediately, immediately, immediately in Mark. Anyway, I'm going, um, I just love Mark. Anyway, so he asked some really important questions. Let's take a look at that scripture now, Mark 8. Jesus and his disciples went on the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. So the people, the Hebrew people, had waited a long time for a Messiah. Now, Messiah is Hebrew for anointed one. Kings were anointed. Back when David was still a boy, still watching sheep, Samuel anointed him as the future king of Israel. He proved to be the greatest earthly king Israel would ever know. But that was many years before this. Israel longed for another king of that caliber. A savior. What, what many what they uh, wanted, what they hoped for, what they expected, was someone who looked a lot like King David. No, I don't mean uh, in physical appearance, the ruddy complexion, the red hair. That's not what I mean. I mean in terms of leadership. They were looking for a warrior king, a king who would lead them into battle, a king who would reestablish Israel to its, to its rightly place among the nations, a, a king who would overthrow the Romans who controlled them, and, and, and they would once again then uh, be allowed to rule rather than to be ruled. And so it is against this backdrop that Jesus asks the question, who do people say I am. Who do people say I am? And he, and he gets a very interesting answer. Some say John the Baptist. Well, that's interesting. That's a very interesting answer because Jesus and John the Baptist live at, lived at the same time. Now, John, while he was in prison, he was executed. He was beheaded by King Herod. 
King Herod did this as a favor to someone. Wow. Well, in the sixth chapter of Mark, we find Herod saying that Jesus is John the Baptist who was raised from the dead. (laughs) Now, that's wacky theology, isn't it? But apparently people were unfamiliar with the two men and took Herod's words seriously. Some say John the Baptist. Mm. Others say Elijah. Now, this would seem to make a little more sense. Uh, Elijah was considered by many to be the greatest prophet in the history of Israel. Elijah had been taken directly up to heaven when it was his time to pass on. He didn't have a die. He went breathing right up to heaven. Pretty cool story. It was Elijah who it was believed would bring healing and order into the chaos as he prepared the way for the Messiah who was to come. Many believed that Elijah was to come again, and when he did, the Messiah would follow close behind. So from what the disciples say here, many who were looking and expecting the Messiah believed that Jesus was the forerunner, was Elijah back to life rather than being the Messiah himself. Still others, one of the prophets, they said, one of the prophets. Well, there were many who, even though they didn't consider Jesus the Messiah, they did consider Jesus a prophet because everything that came out of Jesus' mouth often seemed very prophetic. I mean, that's a big duh. He was the son of God. And so when Jesus says, who do people say I am? The, The disciples share with him the popular rumors that were being shared around them at that time. And Jesus listens to what they say, and then he gets to the real bottom line here. You know, it's one thing if people who who don't spend much time with you, who haven't been directly touched by you, who haven't been traveling with you day in, day out for three years, it's one thing if they don't really know who you are. But it's a whole different story if the people who you've been really close to, if they don't know who you are, especially if they're the ones that you're counting on to carry on your story, carry on your legacy, carry on your gospel, carry on your ministry, carry it to the ends of the earth. If they don't know who you really are, then you've got a big problem, right? Huge problem. And so Jesus flat out asks them, but what about you? He says to his disciples, what about you? He asks, who do you say I am? Well, you can't get much more straightforward than that. I mean, right there, who are you? Jesus wants to know. Jesus needs to know that his disciples know. They are the ones who will carry on the message, the gospel, the good news. Has their time together made a difference? Do they know that he isn't just another prophet, but that he is the one whom God promised in the Hebrew scriptures? And so Jesus asked the question, and of course it's Peter who answers. You've got to love Peter. You know, Peter, the one who sticks his foot in the mouth, his mouth half the time, sometimes tries to fit both. But Peter's also the one who's gutsy enough to step out of a boat and try to walk on water. Peter's the one who'll later, much later on, cut the ear off a Roman soldier <laughs> defending Christ. And so Peter's the one that steps up to the question. And here's what he says. He says, uh, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. 
That's a pretty good answer, don't you think? <laughs> it, it tells Jesus that the disciples, or at least Peter, at least they're at least beginning to understand what he's been trying to teach them, trying to get them to understand. And, and that's important because Jesus doesn't have much time left for them. As you know, we're heading to the cross here. And Jesus knows that. And these are the guys that he's counting on to continue the ministry that he started. He's counting on them to tell other people about himself, who he is, why he lived, and more importantly, as we look ahead, why he had to die. So this, this scripture in Matthew 8 isn't just for them, but it's for us as well. What would be our answer if Jesus said, Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Because the answer that we give is really, really important. The answer we give has a lot of bearing on what direction we go. In fact, the direction we take is totally dependent on the answer to this question. Mm. And a lot of people give a lot of different answers to this question. A very popular uh, answer is, well, he was a great teacher. Well, that's a truthful answer. He was a great teacher, probably the greatest teacher of all time. It's a true answer. And others might say, he was a great prophet. Boom, once again, true. Again, probably the greatest prophet of all time. Oh, Jesus, he was a worker of miracles. Bing, 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 bing. True once again. Read through the Scriptures. Miracle after miracle after miracle. He was a miracle worker. But here's the thing. Even if all of these are true, if this is all we have to say when asked the question, um, uh, who do you say Jesus is, then we've absolutely, totally, completely missed the point of why he came. Because there are a lot of other great teachers, even in Scripture, a lot of other great teachers. And Scripture is full of, of great prophets. We just mentioned Elijah a few minutes ago. He's one of them. And there are, throughout the pages of Scripture, many who perform miracles. Actually, God performs the miracles through them. So you have all those things going. But it's Jesus, and Jesus alone, who is the very Son of the living God of Israel. It's Jesus... And Jesus alone, who is the Anointed One, and that's capital A, capital O, the Anointed One, anointed to be king. Not an earthly king like Jesus was, but the king of creation, the king of the cosmos, the king of eternity, the king who will come and overcome sin and death, who will defy Satan and the grave, who will resurrect on Easter morning so that you and I might live through eternity forgiven and free from sin. Amen? Amen. So Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is king. And if Jesus is our king, then Jesus is Lord of our life. What does Lord mean? The Lordship of Christ means that we submit to the one who is over us. We submit to the Lord. We submit. It means that we humble ourselves. We bow down to the Lord. 
We pray to the Lord. The Lord is supreme. The Lord is the one who gives us direction. The Lord knows what's best for us. Lordship of Christ. If we come under the reign of Christ, that's it. Christ reigns and we are his people. Followed, we follow the direction of the Lord. And so, what would our answer be? Would we agree with Peter and say, you are the Christ? Or would we fumble? Would we wonder? What would our answer be? You know, each week during this journey, we're going to pull something out of this knapsack that's going to be valuable for us as we go heading to the cross with Christ. This week, it's a, um, a compass. Some of you maybe have never seen one of these because <laughs> these are kind of old school, ancient. Don't use them too much anymore, do we, with GPSs and all that sort of thing. But a compass is a real valuable symbol for us as we head toward the cross because it gives us direction. Very quickly, it shows us where we're heading, where we're heading, where we should be heading. Helps us with the direction we should take. You know, a compass, I think it's designed to point to true north. Is that right? For some of you old school guys here. <laughs> Our journey with Christ's compass always needs to point to truth, just to truth, which is Jesus. Our true north, compass-wise, is always going to be Jesus the Christ. Jesus. Toward the direction he's going, toward the decisions he's made, he would make, toward the direction he would have us go, toward the decisions he would have us make. Reminds me a few years ago, those wristbands and bumper stickers. You remember WWJD. Say it with me. What would Jesus do? But what's even, I think I liked even better was the four, six-letter one, WWJHMD. What would Jesus have me do? So the compasses help us stay directed toward Christ, but also directed on not only what he would do, but what he would have us do. Yeah. So we're on a journey. We're on a journey together. That's what this time is from now until Easter. I mean, we're always on a journey together, but we're really focusing on the journey to the cross, which is a journey of hope. And so our compass is the Word of God, the Scripture, the Holy Bible. How do we know what direction we need to go in? Read the Word. Practice spiritual disciplines. This is not something that we don't know about and that we don't hear about. Our spiritual discipline for March is fasting. Practice the spiritual discipline of fasting or prayer or meditation or all of that. Allow Christ to be your true north, your truth, as we're going along in our journey together. Who do you say I am? You are the Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, that is a, a really tough question, actually. Um, when you look deep into our hearts and you say, who do you say I am? Because there are so many times in our everyday where we submit to things that stray, cause us to stray from you. 
Lord, help us be the Lord. Help you be the Lord of our lives. Guide us, convict us. Take our lives. Take our lives and let them be pure and holy, consecrated to you. God, we give you this time, we give you this day, we give you our lives. We pray this in the name of the Christ, the Holy One, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the King, our Lord. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.